Hello again, everyone. I'm Dan Duva. Welcome to the SLGND podcast. Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave presented by the D Hotel. The Vegas Golden Knights are back for season three, and so is the broadcast crew. Dave and Shane and Gary and me break it all down. Golden Knights training camp, five games down, two games to go, and what will the lineup look like against the Kings Friday night? We break down the Golden Knights' young defensemen, which five have a chance of making it, and also, what do the top lines look like? Could Gerard Gallant move things around, or will he go with what is tried and true? We also look at the Western Conference, see which teams have a chance of moving up, which ones might regress, and so much more. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now... Here's Dave! Oh, Dan Doobie, never get tired of hearing that, even though it's a fresh... Well, actually, people probably do get tired of hearing <laughs> it. Well, a fresh season of the podcast, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave, hashtag SLGND. I am some guy named Dave, Dave Gosher, Shane Nutty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all present and accounted for from our VGK World Headquarters, downtown Summerlin. Uh, welcome, guys. We haven't all sat at this table in a while. Yeah. Since late April. So what are we in late September now? As Rod Stewart say, late September. Should be Is back that what he was saying? Maggie May. Yeah, you went. September it's been five ends. months. That's right. See so you in September. Uh, so September I missed songs. you guys terribly. Well, maybe not. But, uh, <laughs> a lot has occurred. A lot has gone on since uh, late April to late September, and here we are, late in training camp. Sheriff, we'll start with you. What's been your overall impressions of now? We've watched five exhibition games and had them all on television. Well, we have, and, and I liked four of them. Uh, last one, not so good, the, the loss to the Avalanche. Uh, you know, an opportunity for a lot of the young players. You, you had five of the defensemen that are really fighting for a spot in there, and, and I think that's been the majority of the talk, you know, outside of Cody Glass up front. Uh, the You know, first pick of the Golden Knights, we've seen Cody Glass's vision, his talent. Uh, certainly it's there. It's a matter of when he's going to be able to bring it all together to be a, a full-time NHL player. It will be at some point. Not sure if uh, now's that time, but he'll continue to develop. Uh, as for the D, um, you know, you know, you got Dylan Coglin, uh, Zach Whitecloud, Nick Hague, uh, Jimmy Schultz, and uh, Jake Bischoff. And uh, those first four names, I think we talked about the most. And I think we, you know, we always have a little chats before we come on here. And, and to me, I kind of almost feel bad that out of that conversation, the one we talked about the least to me, has probably been, maybe with reason, he's been the quietest, but that's a good thing. Uh, Jake Bischoff, to me, seems to be the most seasoned. He's got the most pro-experienced. In a game last night where a lot of guys struggled, he kind of seemed to be the same. Uh, He's reliable. You talk to guys that played in Chicago last year. He was their number one defensive D. He was steady. He's consistent, which are words that uh, you put along with a professional player. That, that's what you need to, to survive in the NHL. He's not the, I guess he's not the sexy pick you want. Uh, there's nothing that really stands out like Coglin's shot, Hague's shot, um, those guys' ability to, to work a power play. But to me, Jake Bischoff uh, has been very good. Uh, we'll see what goes here moving forward as, as they go along. But uh, certainly they all had their moments. They're, they're, they're different intangibles each of those guys has uh, on the defensive group. Some guys more offensive, some guys got a little mix, and, and some guys have the consistency. So uh, that said, whatever happens, the future looks good on the back end. They've had a heck of a battle for that spot, Gary, right, on defense. I mean, all through rookie camp, all through training camp, 
And I guess it continues. I mean, as we sit here and talk, there's two more exhibition games to go. But they've to put all five of them in the lineup as they did Wednesday night. You know, that was that was pretty interesting to take that approach. Gerard Glaude said to me early on in camp, he said, we want one of these players to step forward and make the decision for us. We don't want to have to make the decision. They have not made the decision for, for management. They have left this in the hands of management. None of these players have have separated themselves from the rest of the group. And I think Shane's right. Uh, Bischoff has been the most consistent and it's it's not flashy and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to force his way into the top 4. He's probably going to, you know, rest comfortably in that in the bottom pairing and I think, you know, we probably underestimate the growth of John Merrill. Since he arrived, he was a guy that couldn't get in the lineup at times early on. And uh, last year, really established himself, beat Nick Holden out for that extra spot. And by the end of the year, you know, he's younger than Derek England and uh, you know maybe holds up a little bit better over a long season. Maybe John Merrill gets a look in, uh, in the top four to open the season. And it, it, this will be really interesting because w- the decisions that get made in the next 72 hours... Next three or four days, five days, I don't think will be necessarily final decisions. I think that that group of five that has Mike Kelly has called them, one guy is going to make the team off the start, and then four are going to go back to to the American League. And if there's growth there, you know maybe Bischoff's here for two weeks, and then Hague gets a look for a bit, or White Cloud gets a look for a bit. I, I think that the audition is going to continue uh, well into leading up to Christmas. The the issue I have with that is, I look at the, the Golden Knights team at the end of last year, and if they're not better than that, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. Like that that team didn't get out of the first round, so there needs to be some improvement. Every, a lot, everybody else got better. Not everybody, but a lot of teams got better. I think Calgary is going to be improved. Uh, you know, I, 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 San Jose, I think they might fall off a little bit. But you look at Colorado, we haven't seen them all assembled yet. But they added Kadri. They've, you know, they they, they brought in that the the young defenseman, Byron Makar, Makar, Kale yeah. Makar, the guy with that salad for a name, came in, <laughs> came in, and you know he's going to establish himself. Like I, like the West is well, the Central strong. Like the Central really strong. Yeah, yeah, Dallas, exactly. St. Louis, St. Louis, Winnipeg, you know, Nashville. So you, you got to be better. And I kind of was hoping that one of those young defensemen would would make a a push and say, you know what, I'm ready to 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 elevate this group. We haven't seen that, not from my perspective. So, and to that point, Gary, like, are we a little surprised? There's a Golden, made, Golden Knights made moves today. Um, Patrick Brown on waivers, Curtis McKenzie on waivers. Not not a huge surprise. Reed Duke assigned to Chicago and Dylan Coughlin. Does that surprise you, Dan? I mean, Coughlin, the rookie games and a good chunk of the preseason looked pretty good. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, that's the move they're going to make today. Yeah, all the, the attributes seem to line up in his favor. Right-handed shooter, offensive-minded. When you think of essentially who is he replacing, it's Colin Miller. Colin Miller was traded to Buffalo. Um, Colin Miller, right-handed, power play guy, great shot. Those same things apply to Dylan Coglin. Of course, Dylan is much younger. But when we think back to last year, when Nate Schmidt was suspended 20 games, who made the team? Now, 
those guys, Haig and Coughlin, Schultz wasn't even in the organization. White Cloud was just turning pro. They weren't real candidates in the way that they are now. So Bischoff was probably a bit more obvious, but he was the guy who made the team. He didn't play, right? He didn't play any NHL games, but he was here just in case they needed somebody. In other words, last year, they had the trust that he could step into NHL games if needed. Then Schmidt comes back after 20 games, and off they go. Uh, but Bischoff, remember, is the oldest of that group. And of the six defensemen that were in the lineup, Bischoff is 25, Schultz is 24, Theodore is 24, and about 100 days younger than Schultz. White Cloud's turning 23 in a couple of months, Coglin's 21, Haig is almost 21. Average age is 23 of those six defensemen. Bischoff, the oldest, at 25. And he's got two years of pro experience. Um, and I, I talking with Darren Elliott earlier today, who did a great job with you on the, uh, the TV show the other day, he said Jake Bischoff gets to his game quickest and stays there longest. And is that a product of his experience? Uh, just the the age, um, or maybe it's the type of game that he has, who he is as a player. But I really like that description by Darren. He gets to his game quickest and stays there longest. And that's probably what you need now. The other wrench thrown into this is Shea Theodore leaving the game early. The other night. Right? Like, right. We don't know the severity of it, but you know he doesn't play the third period on Wednesday. You know, coming off, you know, what he went through over the summer with, you know, surgery, testicular cancer, couldn't do anything for eight weeks. You know, we were talking to him yesterday, guys, and he said it hurt to laugh. Yeah. You know, Eric Holler's wedding was four days after the surgery. He flies in for the wedding and all the guys are together cracking jokes. He had to walk in the other direction because he couldn't (laughs) laugh. He hasn't really played at all, not even scrimmages. He gets into the game on Wednesday night and doesn't play the third period. So. That's kind of the, you know, that's another part of this puzzle is, will he be ready for the final couple of preseason games? Is he going to be ready October 2nd? And if not, there might be another extra guy that hangs around here when it's all said. Well, that's that's all part of it, right? I think, you know, you're a lot more cautious, certainly in preseasons. If there's any concern whatsoever, you, you, you pull back, you, you get out of the game and that's... You know, hopefully all it was was it was something minor with Theodore. We saw the same thing with Carlson against the Kings. So um, we'll wait and see. And, and it's great. But you really see how hard it is to make the jump to the NHL. These young guys can excel at the American Hockey League. And we can't discount veteran players, the John Merrills, the Nick Holdens, these guys that have the ability to step in. They know what it's about. They've been in the NHL. They know what it's about. And and sure, it's great and it's flashy to talk about these young prospects, but let's not discount what it, it takes to be an NHL player full-time and the guys that have done it and those those guys that maybe want to up their role. And Gary, what was it that, that Ryan McGill said to you about John Merrill and hitting a certain plateau of games played where you can kind of turn the corner last year? Uh, you talked about uh, the pilot needs 10,000 hours before he's kind of seen everything that can happen in a plane. And it, John Merrill just got to that sort of 10,000 hours last year. He's now at 272 NHL yeah, I games I think it was played. 250 games. Right, exactly. And yeah. that, that was, you know, once you'd been around the sun a couple times, in terms of the NHL schedule, you're used to everything. And uh, listen, I think John Merrill, uh, you know, uh, has really grown a ton. And one of the things that we that that we discount about him, he's really long, so he's you know he's figured out how to use his stick, and his skating is better than than he's credited for. Now I don't think he's going to provide a lot of offense, but 
if you're playing with if, if that if maybe they go with McNabb and Schmidt and and then Merrill and Theodore, maybe John Merrill's the perfect guy to play with Shea Theodore because Shea Theodore. When he's right and healthy, he might be ready to take off. Well, absolutely. And I, I know a lot of the arguments out there, they only got one right shot defenseman. Well, you got two left shot defensemen that are your most mobile and Schmidt and Theodore that like playing the offside. There's pros and cons to both. But when you have offensive mind, especially a Shea Theodore, you want that guy on his offside. His ability to walk the blue line in the offensive end on his forehand. His ability to turn pucks. His ability to come in on a one-timer when he joins the rush. There, there's certain attributes that really fit for him being on the right side. And I think his skating ability allows that. Same with Nate Schmidt. Maybe not as offensive-minded, but really good with his stick defensively when he plays that offside. So, um, you know, right and left shots to me isn't as important as that player's ability to play that side of the ice. And let me just throw one more number. We're talking about that threshold, whether it's 250 games. Shea Theodore right now is just under 200. Finished last season at 193. So you talk about maybe he's ready to take off. Oh, yeah. He's closing in on that number that we talked about with John Merrill and that Ryan McGill. And he's at the out. right age. Yeah. That 24 is just, you know, coming off career numbers. He, you know. I, and I always like to look at when a guy goes to play for his country in, a, in, in international hockey and how does he fare at that level. And Elaine Vigneault, who now the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, coached Team Canada at the World, at the world Championships. And and said, I bumped into him at the draft, and he said Shea Theodore was her best defenseman. And that confidence that comes from that, Shea's going to have come back from that and go, huh, I was really good against some of the best players in the world. I've got a chance to, 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 to that confidence will allow him to go, to take another step. And Shane, I love hearing you talk about these things because you, you really understand that part, that position so well from having played it. He does have all the parts. He's not a physical guy, but the rest of it is all there for him to be elite, is it not? Absolutely. His skating ability, we to get up the ice and to get back, he he has, to me, that's the number one factor, right? He, he floats on the ice. He he is such so smooth. His edge work, I know he works a lot. Not this summer, but he talked about it before last season, working on his skating edge work. And you can really see it move. Watch it. He's up there for me with, you know, when Carlson was in the prime guy, the ability to shake the forecheck at the blue line and, and to create a shot. It's not always a big shot. He has his head up. He gets shots through to the net. Um, and, you know, defensively, I think he took a big step next year and he will continue to be good defensively. But right now, and going into this season, the the era, the evolution of the game, he is what you want in a defenseman. The way he can move the puck out of his end, great first pass, his ability to read the offensive side of the game, to get up the ice and not get in trouble because the way he skates allows him to you know to cover a lot of defensive mistakes and get back. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, hashtag SLGND, of course, presented by the D Hotel. So was it with an eye towards the opener, Gary, kind of the further your point. Wouldn't surprise you if they just throwing pairs together, McNabb and Schmidt, Merrill and Theodore, and then three guys for the final two spots, Holden, Anglin, and whoever, right? Whoever's going to make the team as the seventh defenseman. Yeah, that, yeah. and when we talk about Jake Bischoff, one of the things that to me is probably attractive to management is he can probably afford to spend a few nights in the press box where you don't want to put any of those like, like he's he's 25 he's this will be his third year pro you know he can watch a little bit you know what jimmy schultz has hasn't played pro hockey yet played one game 
he can't watch. Zach Whitecloud, Nick Hague. Nick Hague is a potential, you know, really strong defenseman in the National Hockey League. He can't watch. He's got to play. So if it's not here, it's in the American League where you're playing top end minutes every night. Bischoff might be able to handle having every uh, second or third or fourth yeah. game off. It's not. A, it's not an easy thing to do to to be able to stay confident to to practice and then when called upon be ready to go. And I think that's an excellent point by Gary. He's probably uh, the most ready for that kind of role right now. So we've talked the defense core. Up front. Oh, boy. Cody Glass has been the talk of camp. Not the talk, but a lot of the talk of camp. And, you know, we talked about it on Lawless and Order, Gary. Shane, you and I have kicked it around. I'm sure, Dan, you and Gary have kicked it around on the radio. He continues to do good things. We see his vision. You know, you talked about him working the half wall on the power, the power play, play last night, Shane. Like, And we keep coming back, too. And I, I can hear coaches saying, look, if he's good enough, we'll find a place for him on the team. But as this team is constituted, where does he fit in this lineup. And I that, don't know. That is the question as they move forward in their final couple of exhibitions. I don't know. Yeah, and as rough as maybe the game didn't go his way last night, I think the power play, he still shows yeah. that ability. He had, you know, his ability to do a look no-look pass through the seam to, to, to just make little moves to open up passing lanes. Uh, very, it's, it's stuff that you don't see from a 20-year-old. Um, so, yeah, it, it's there. Um, you can get excited about it as a fan, but this is where you got to caution. Where does he fit in this lineup, and where is he best to grow? Yeah, in another organization, he's making the team. But this is an organization that has in two bona fide NHL top lines. And is it worth having Cody three. on the rock? Cody three, three. Can yeah, center a third line, yeah. twenty goal season. Yeah, we, we were talking about it on the post game radio show yesterday. I, I you can look at it as as almost eight top forwards um and if glass is on the team that that could be a ninth and it's kind of uh, I, i'm really not sure where he fits right now and given what we just said about the defenseman and given the organization's tendency to quote unquote overcook i i don't know i don't know right now where he fits he fits for me if you are willing to do something pretty out of the box and that's having him Play with Paul Statsny and Max Pacioretty yeah. on the second line. That's for me. He has to play move him to the wing. Yeah. 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 And he was That's so good with Pacioretty in those and, games. And, and uh, all right, I'll t- I, I wanted to tell this story on yeah. the radio last night. I didn't get a chance to. Peter Statsny told me that when he was in Quebec and Joe Sackick arrived, he watched him practice for half a practice and skated over to the coach and said, I want that guy on my line. And when Paul Statsny got to Denver, Joe Sackick said to the coach pretty quick on into the situation, I want that guy on my line. And was and Peter Stassi said to me, There are guys that have hockey sense that and you want to play with one another. Well, Cody Glass has hockey sense. Yes. And Paul Statsney has hockey sense. They would fit together. Paul Statsney, and if you have Patcheretti on that line, you know, to be to get in hard on the forecheck and get the puck for those guys, dislodge it, and then also finish, like Matt Patcheretti with those two guys, he might score a, a lot of goals. It might be and and I think that Statsney thinks the game well enough that and plays the game well enough defensively he can hide some of those things for glass. The problem with that is that if you change that line, so where does Mark Stone go? 
He's not going to the third line. No, right? like Carlson and Marshall. Carlson and Marshall. So I think we've seen that. Marshall yeah, and Stone yeah. had yeah. that chemistry so at the World Ryan Championship. Smith go? With Eakin and Tuck. And that, so that's now, three so pretty now, good lines. So, that's, yeah. so now you're not talking one line one, two, or three. I think you're talking mm. talk, top right. nine. That's, that yeah. is balance. Yep. That is. So you're Valentin Zikoff and you've had a really good camp. Where do you fit in? Why not the fourth? Now, you got now that, that, to, me, to me, this is the conversation. You've got Nosik, Wa, kind of the centerman. You've got Peary, you got Zikoff, you got Kerry and Reeves. So, what kind of look do you want on that fourth yeah. line? You could. We saw that line of Peary, Zikoff, and Nosik put up uh, seven points yes. in the Colorado game in Colorado. You know, do you want that? That's dangerous, or do you want? You know, you got Kerry and Reeves, Nosik. We know what they can do. Or Wa, who's had a you know good camp, real good, strong penalty killer. Is it matchup so, dependent? Is it is it depend on who you're playing? Well, you can't carry everyone. Can't carry everyone. Great. So I just want to. So this is all fine and dandy for me to make all these moves and to disrupt <laughs> a lineup and a dressing room that went to the Stanley Cup two years ago and last year looked like they were poised to go on a run. I Gerard, you tell them, Gerard. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. And I'm gonna tell you Turk, that what Gary. I'm saying is probably. A, there's probably a flaw in it that I don't know about, and and that may be the dressing room, and um, there's also the head coach really is comfortable. Like he, he could probably look at me and say, "Yeah, you got rocks in your head." Like the Carlson Smith and Marcia so were one of the best lines in hockey two years ago. They had an off year last two year. years ago. Uh, two years ago, I think they're going to bounce back this year. I'm just telling you, yeah. this is what the coach might say to me. And when we when the team won all those games after Stone first arrived, Stone Statsy and Pacioretty looked like one of the best lines in the National Hockey League. So maybe, the, and he said early in camp, I know who my top six is. So. There's probably there are probably a bunch of things inherent in what I what I have just said that are flawed. But from an outside looking in, it's where it's really easy to play fantasy and move the pieces around. It looks like you got potential to have three or four deep lines, but there may be something there. There's something hiding in the closet that I'm not that I'm missing. And I'll just add to that, Gary, because it's very intriguing what you've presented. Maybe it's not what we see on October 2nd, but maybe we see it December 2nd or February 2nd or maybe even April 2nd. Yeah. So like it it will not hurt Cody Glass one bit to go to Chicago and be the number one center down there, be the first over the boards for the power play, maybe even have him kill penalties. You know, give him everything he could take. And and I, you wouldn't be overcooking Cody Glass. Like, what's he got? Thirty games in the American League? Yeah, entire Calder Cup playoff. Yes, run. exactly. Yeah, but there's wouldn't hurt him to to be there for a little while. Little while yeah, longer. not that he wants to hear it, but if he goes and plays in the American Hockey League, it's not the worst thing in the world. Here's no. the thing: everybody not thinks you have to make the team. It doesn't all have to happen here in camp or yeah, preseason. Right. Yeah. He can go down. You know what? Go down there. He could absolutely light it up and give them no choice but. To call him back up and say, well, this league... I do have to think if you're a coach on another team and you look at those three lines that we just posed... It's pretty good. And and one night, and if you're Gerard Gallant... One night, one group, one group isn't going, and but the other one, the other, the other threesome is. Now all of a sudden, like, and one of the great things about him is he doesn't like to label the lines one, two, and three. Like that's that's one A, one B, and one C in my mind. 
Cody Glass is a lot, or Cody Eakin is a lot closer to a high end player than to, than to a bottom end player. And if that's your one C, boy, oh boy. Yeah. Different scenario for different reasons. But two years ago, it's easy to forget. They started the season with Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore playing in the American Hockey League. They did it because of cap issues, and I get that. But they both went down there and were really good. Yeah. You know, they didn't go down Great there and pout. They didn't go down there and say, I should be playing in Vegas. They went down there and they played, and they played really well. And in no time, it seemed, they were up here to stay, which if that happens with Glass, that's fine too. And we, we heard it from, from Mike Kelly on the pregame show on the radio yesterday. Why put all five young defensemen in the lineup in the same game? He said it's a reward for these guys because of how hard they've worked. Tuck and Theodore performed well in that scenario. Dave, they were rewarded. And you can go down the list like Brandon Peary in the American League last year. Rewarded with the opportunity. And now you're seeing it with, with Zikov and what he has done to get himself into shape and the opportunities that he's been getting. Like This is an organization that seems to me values that work. We hear Gerard Gallant say hard work, hard work all the time. And it's an organization that prizes that. All right, one last thing I want to get to, guys, before I wrap it up. But before I do that, a reminder, stop by City National Arena, where we're sitting right now, the practice facility of the Golden Knights. Bring the family, watch practice up close and personal, learn to skate like the pros. Great state-of-the-art facility right here in downtown Summerlin. Stop by. Gary loves to see the people and say hello. Go to citynationalarena.com. All right, lawman, we didn't get to this. Well, we might as well get to it now. Sure. Didn't get to this on Lawless and Order last night. How far can the VGK go? As we sit here, the 26th of September. What do you think? Well, my theory on this is pretty simple. I think that if you get to the conference final, you as a manager, you've done your job. You built the team that was good enough to get that far. And then, you know, if your goalie's hot, uh, you, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury was just better than Connor Hellebuck in the Western Conference final two years ago, and that got Vegas to the Stanley Cup final. And then again, you know, then it's, is there injury? Is there it, it, all those things factor in? So the Western Conference Final for me is that's what would make a successful season for Vegas, and I believe they'll get there. I, I look at the Pacific. I think they're the best team in the Pacific. They're going to have the best path there. They're going to have to knock off a good Central team uh, to get to uh, you know to, to, to get to that point. So uh, so, sorry, they, they'll face a good Central team, I believe. In the conference final, and then getting to the Stanley Cup is, you know, fantastic, great, wonderful. But I think they go deep. I think they make the conference finals. Five of the eight teams that got in in the West last year were in the Central chain. So you had, you know, St. Louis, obviously, that won it, uh, Dallas, Nashville, Winnipeg, and Colorado. Do any of those teams change? <laughs> like, is it the same eight again mm. this year? Is it eight for eight? I, I, I'd, I'd like. When you look at it now and you look at the paper and, you know, this is why we play the games because it'll play it out. Yeah, you, you'd say, I, I'm confident saying it's the eight teams, but I don't think it will be. There, there'll yeah. be some change in there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there, there's some teams that have improved. Vancouver, to me, is is a, a team that made made some moves this summer. Uh, you know, Pedersen's going to be better. They're, you know, Besser right now, I know, is in concussion protocol. Can the Edmonton Oilers miss the playoffs again? <laughs> at, what, like at what point in time is it just being... They got, they, got, they got two of the best players exactly. in the Pacific Division. Yes. Dreisaitl and yeah. David. Yeah. Uh, and they got a new coach. Their goaltending. They still don't like, have a goalie. I, I don't, they don't have a goalie. Uh, I just think like, it just doesn't... But not, yeah, but that's what I mean. Not there's going to be one yeah. of those teams that's going to make the jump. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Arizona has got all this youth coming in that's yeah, some pretty good new, players. And a new coach yeah, there new as coach well. There. New coach in Los Angeles. And Arizona, from what it had been, it wasn't that far behind Vegas at no, the end of the no. standings Probably last year. they might have made it, right? If they so there will be some change. I don't think it'll be the same. Think, to you know what? Question. I forgot about Arizona. And yeah. like, the, like we talked about that. You got to feel the thrill. At the end, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, right. and by the way, we, we left the Chicago Blackhawks out of the Central conversation. Yeah, Look yeah. how they finished the season. Also yeah. a new coach there. Like, uh, who knows? And and I think Colorado, though they were in the it's playoffs. It's a good thing they play 82 getting, games yeah. to figure it out. Well, like, Colorado got better, I think. From, oh, from I mean, that's Dallas. Dallas. Colorado yeah. got better for sure. Yeah. Dallas well, and here's the other thing. And, and, you know, we used to joke around that. And Winnipeg could. could they could figure it out at some point. Sure. sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they get questions with holdouts yeah. and buffling or whatever else. But the other part is, and we if we haven't learned this from last year, we haven't learned anything. It's no big deal if you're in last place in the league in January 3rd. You can yeah. go on and win the Stanley Cup. That's it's right. not a problem. That's right. And That's I think the Blues the, did. I think we just named every single Western Conference team in this conversation except for the Minnesota Wild, who just changed general managers. And well, That's they right. made some moves, so, too. Right. We, didn't so mention, we didn't mention the Ducks. and I mentioned know. the Ducks. Oh, you did? Okay, sir. Yep. Yep. You can pay I, attention. That would be terrific. It'd be great if you listen to what I say, Gary. Well, that quack, pretty much. Quack, quack. I usually yeah. tune them out, Gary. You don't have to tune yeah, them out. Yeah, you're right. Sure. The Wild. You know why the Wild? To me, they're just such a nondescript team. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They, yeah. And they've been they're around like, a while now. They've they've <laughs> never got to the Bruce final. Happy. <laughs> well, they are. There's. It's. It's. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I played there. I know. Yeah. You know, Matt Zuccarello is he going to be the the difference? I. Yeah. Well, yeah. general manager change there as well. I mean, a lot of whether Billy it's managers might do some good things. Yeah. Dumba's going to be healthy, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's, that's a big, a one. big yeah. loss for them last year. Soon so, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe they're going to roll. Yeah. yeah. They, they were in last place in the Central last year. Yeah. So, it's wide open. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so, that, that didn't solve anything. That's great. All right. So, that's uh, that's it then. So, two more exhibition games to go uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, rather, and then Sunday, right? And then, uh, then the games start for real. Shane and I will take the opener off with pay. And Dan and Gary will be earning their exorbitant salaries. And then uh, (laughs) tune in on October 4th. We do have a little housekeeping we need to take care of for because uh, there's been some additions to the staff. Yes. Mike, oh, yes. Mike McKenna, Darren Millard, Stormy Bonatoni have all joined the uh, the organization. And there is a, there's a little bit of a push, you know, for some name changing. You know, perhaps the no. and, and and well, and the how first about, thing, the first thing that comes podcast. the first thing that comes to mind is Dooves has been a part of this from the day one, <laughs> and he's not on the masthead, which is you know egregious to borrow a word from him. <laughs> Under the radar, is we fine. need some swag first off because our so, our logo looks good for the podcast. all right. So right, we're, 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 we're quickly in agreement that it is SLGND or bust. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. we built a huge brand. If anyone wants to mess with it, they got to talk to Dan. Tell them to get their own podcast. That's right. We always joke that. The D can stand for own. Dave and Dan. Or yes, that's right. right. That's right. There you go. So are, are, uh, are Darren and Mike and Stormy going to do their own podcast? Sounds great that's to me. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That's we shouldn't be. The responsibility on us is incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The we weight have to do everything. Say, yeah, exactly. All right, good. They, they, tell them to get their own. Hear from them next. Anyways, that's it for us four. <laughs> Tune in on TV and radio. Golden Knights, a couple of more preseason games as we close in on the season opener. We'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave or Dan podcast. 